You're listening to the Creating Your Own Path podcast, episode number 25. Hey everyone and welcome to the show. I'm your host Jen Snyder and if you are a new listener, I want to take this opportunity to say hello and thank you for tuning in. You can always listen to the show using your favorite podcast app like iTunes or Stitcher Radio. You can also find all of the past shows along with full show notes over at creatingyourownpath.com. I wanted to chat with you all quickly about something I've been working on outside of this podcast. If you've been following me over on Instagram, you may have noticed that I'm getting ready to launch my first ever journaling course. I haven't shared this anywhere else, but I'm calling the course Prompt Club, and it will be an eight-week course dedicated to working and stretching the writing muscle I believe we all have. If you're interested in learning more, be sure to head on over to jenniferesnyder.com slash courses and sign up for my monthly newsletter, which will be going out tomorrow, February 6th. Those on my email list will be getting first dibs on spots in the course and will be the first to have access to the full course plan and registration. So, on today's show, I am thrilled to be chatting with Rita Maida of The American Edit. Rita has a long history of working with both large and small retailers on everything from branding and store layout to product distribution and scalable ethical production. I've been following her work with The American Edit for a while now, and I'm always so grateful for her careful curation of wonderful American-made brands. In the interview, we'll get into her background working with Target, why even she grapples with the large retailer versus small brand debate, and how she helps small businesses understand the market. It's a fascinating discussion, you guys, and I think she has a ton of great advice and inspiration for any small business owner. So let's get to it. Hi, Rita. Thanks for being on the show. Thanks so much for having me. Yes, definitely. So I have been following your work with the American Edit for a while now, but for those listening, will you kind of share a little bit about the site and the mission behind it? Yes, absolutely. Um, So the American Edit, I think our tagline is the style-minded map to made in America. Um, And it's just a, it's a blog, it's a website with a goal of celebrating American made and making it feel a little more available and accessible. Um, I launched it almost two years ago, about a year and a half, I guess. And it was really hard to find American-made products that you know fit my lifestyle and my personal aesthetic. Handmade can be a really wonderful thing, and it can also not be exactly what I'm looking for. And so sometimes stuff felt a little too crafty for what I wanted. So it was just my way of trying to show that you know a lot of what we saw in magazines and everywhere was also available on American-made options. Okay, so... When people ask you what you do for a living, how do you respond? This is a funny question because this changes a lot. And I've found a lot of people who are self-employed struggle with it. And I definitely definitely did. Um, What I found is the easiest is that I just say I do retail consulting and I write a blog about American made. If I am in, you know, if if I'm talking to people who I know are like my people and it's something where I know they're going to care. I will probably lead with the blog or, you know, talking about like how my goal is to really celebrate American made, but for general party cocktail conversation, just some retail consulting. Yeah. I I think, um, it's interesting, especially those of us who create content online, there are just certain groups of people who maybe aren't ever going to be able to wrap their heads around that completely on meaning like how it's a job, you know? 
Oh, absolutely. But my last job, I mean, when I was in corporate America, I mean, I was a business analyst, a strategic merchant, a product manager. None of those jobs meant anything to anyone either, but they were just jobs that people were used to. Yeah, that's a really good point. It's just what, um, maybe it's just a non-traditional job, so people don't quite grasp it. So let's talk about your background a little bit. How did you get to where you are today? So my like professional background is that, you know, I went to um, Ohio State University. I grew up in Ohio um, and studied consumer behavior. I interned kind of all over marketing in all different fields and um, decided that I really liked retail. I'd also like worked retail throughout college as well. And Target was hiring. So I moved out to Minneapolis to work for Target's corporate headquarters um, right after I graduated college. And at Target, I did sourcing and product development and then merchandising. And it was an, it is an amazing company. It was an amazing experience. Um, I got my MBA while I was there. Um, and then when I was getting towards having been there for seven years, I don't know, maybe I got the seven-year itch. I just was at this point, like personally and professionally, where I wanted to try something else. And I got nervous that if I stayed at Target and, you know, hit that 10-year mark with one company, like, would it? that it would feel even harder to go out and try something different. And I was really passionate. It's funny. I was working for a huge American retailer, but really passionate about independent retailers and small boutiques and American made. So I basically, you know, started to build out the plan for the website and I thought I would do it at night and I would really start to pick up some freelance clients and a couple of people who are very close to me today still and who are mentors to me were like, if you're going to do it, you just need to do it. You really need to just take this opportunity and try it. You can always go back. You can always get another job. But you're it, really like the older you get, the harder it gets to just drop everything and start a business. You know, it wouldn't have been something that I would have done probably had I had children or a mortgage or different things. So I, what, it'll be two years in April, I left and spent some time getting the site set up, working with some uh, consulting clients, and and then launched it. So it's, it's really easy for me to talk about where product is made and about how retail works because it's, it's truly like all I know. Okay, cool. And let's talk about retail a little bit because we just came down from like the holiday season, right? Which is huge, huge in retail. I worked retail through, throughout college. I feel like now we're seeing a lot of campaigns that really encourage people to kind of shop local and support small businesses. But I'm curious, and I have an opinion on this, but I'm curious what your opinion is in terms of whether or not those campaigns go far enough? Are they enough to really educate consumers? Is, is shop local enough? I mean, I think I have to say yes and no, but I want to know your opinion now. My opinion is that it's a great start, but it's, I don't, I don't feel like it's quite enough. Absolutely. I would agree. I think, I think it depends. I think if you look at food, we are following the exact right path um, or even recycling or, you know, stopping smoking or any of these things that have been big paradigm changes over the last, you know, several years. Mm -hmm. Um, It's got, it starts small. It kind of starts with typically on the coasts and then trickles in. And I I know I'm like right in the middle of the country saying this and I think it helps, but I don't, I don't know if I think it's enough. And I think like, I'm, I'm really passionate about American made and, you know, it's what I write about, but ultimately like what I'm, believe in the most is thoughtful consumption and being really aware of what 
you buy and what like, you know, you're bringing into your home and you're building your life on. And I think, you know, they go together because yeah, I think it's great if you buy a ton of things from small makers or everything you buy is from small makers, but are you still buying too much? Like, is that, that isn't right. (laughs) So And I think we'll get there. I think it's a great way to start the conversation. I think actually social media in general is more important than like these campaigns telling people to shop local because I think you just, everyone has someone that they love that they've never met on Instagram or Twitter or Stellar or whatever they're following. And it's just more interesting to go to a small store and take a picture than it is to go to this huge store in a huge mall. And so these people are doing it. And so other people go too. And I think that that probably actually is more impactful than these bigger shop local campaigns. But I mean, they, they have to go hand in hand. Okay, let's talk about that. I have a follow up question about that because you're, what you're talking about is um, certain maybe influencers, if you will, for lack of a better term. How often do you find yourself kind of working with those those influencers? I think a lot. Um, I think that I. To, to go back a little bit to what I do. So a lot of my work is retail consulting. So like, for example, right now I'm helping a brand that's a new store in Minneapolis and online launch. So I've worked with them on their buying and their merchandising strategy. And I'll you know stay a part of the team even after they open this week. So there's a, there's a lot of influencer outreach there. We're trying to get the right people to be blogging about our product, to be coming in, you know, to be just fans of our product because it's it's super important it's quite frankly more important than a lot of paid advertising that would be available to us at our very small level I think also I have the honor I guess I don't really even know but I think people come to me for a little bit of that sometimes and it's it's like a very funny huge responsibility and I really struggle with it um but you know if I if I I want to do right by these companies that I believe in if I'm going to put them on my Instagram feed. And I also like can only post so many times a day or a week. And sometimes I just don't want to be on social media. So I I guess I see a little bit of both sides of it, but I, and I think it's really helpful. And I know that it also to me like makes my life more interesting because I've definitely done better things. Um, whether that's, going to different restaurants or like adventuring a little further when I was on a trip or trying new products or going to new stores because people I follow that I think are really cool did them. And then I want to try it too. I think it's, it's interesting how that landscape is shifting a little bit too, in terms of content creation. And so let's talk about content a little bit because I love the content that you provide on the American edit as just a consumer, you know, you, you provide a lot of helpful information. Like you said that there isn't a lot of information out there still, I don't think. And so your site is really helpful for those of us who are just looking, you know, looking for the latest and greatest from American-made brands. But you also, as you mentioned, you you really consult with businesses and help them grow and thrive. And so can you tell us how that came about, whether you've always been doing that, if, if that was always kind of the backbone of it, or when it came to fruition? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the the business development and strategy and retail, like I can do that in my sleep. That's all I know. It's all I've ever done professionally. I have two degrees to support it. And it's just, it's just, you know, like kind of that, like who I am, the funny stories about me as a kid, like selling our neighbors things that they already owned and then like telling them what they could have done better with it. Like that's just who I've always been. Um, but 
the, so the blogging is totally new to me. I'm like learning it as I go. I am not very consistent. I'm not really good at Photoshop. I haven't created a brand voice. I, you know, all of that figuring it out, but like the business end is really like what I am passionate about and what honestly is easier for me. And I always wanted to do it. I have always wanted to work with small businesses one day. And I think I knew I had to get that professional experience in and really learn. Um, but that one day I'd want to go and like work with smaller businesses. I think a lot of people in my family were entrepreneurs and they were maybe really specialized. And I kept realizing that like someone needed to come in and just help with like the business element of it. And so it was something I always planned to do, but I thought I'd do it when I was a lot older. And then like I was like looking and I really loved the idea of the site. I actually had a lifestyle blog when I was in grad school because I just needed a creative outlet. And I was terrible at it because I think lifestyle bloggers are amazing and I read so many of them, but you you know, you are your content and it's really there's there's no delineation between their life and their work and I just hated that. So as soon as I started to do it, I was like this isn't for me at all, even though I didn't have any followers or anything. But I started to meet really cool people. So I knew I loved blogging and I knew it was a way to meet the kind of people that I wanted to meet. And I basically just was like, if I'm going to blog about American Made, I may as well, you know, move up my goal of working with small businesses and just start working with smaller businesses now as I'm building this platform. Okay. Okay. I see. And for the record, I think you have done a really good job creating a brand voice. <laughs> you said that you haven't created a brand voice yet, but I think you have. I made myself go through at the new year because I've been so busy. I haven't been blogging, but I'm picking it back up. And I made myself go through and read every post. And it was really painful. <laughs> uh, and it you know, made me realize what I can improve and when I was really doing like work I was proud of and when I wasn't. So something there's always more to work on. <laughs> of course, of course, absolutely. So let's kind of still talk about the small business side of things because I'm curious when you you know, you sit down and you chat with small business owners, what are some of their biggest concerns when it comes to creating and scaling their business in the in the US? Um it's funny because you just asked like the MBA question, which is like what, you know, I ask all the time and like my husband like hammers into me like that scale question right. is really hard. Um, and a lot of times like where I'm working on, we're still on the creating. A lot of times like you can't, as like a business person, I should say like you can understand if a project's scalable like before you even do it. But like as someone who's actually gone through and done stuff, like you can't know if something will scale until you do it. Right. <laughs> you have to try it. Um, and you have to, you know, you have to get it to that, they call it, they're like the MVP, the minimal viable product. Um, you don't want to put like everything you have into a product that may not be scalable, but you need to get something to see. I think that's really hard to be honest. I think one of the hardest things about launching a business is that everyone hears this idea of like, I need to have a business plan and I need to have cash flow and I need to have all of these things figured out. And yes, if you want investors and if you want, you know, to probably take on a big lease and hire people, you need that. But if you just want to start a small business where at the beginning it's just you, you really just need an idea and you need to be committed enough to know that you're probably going to make your life really hard and maybe, you know, be stressed out and it's hard to really follow something. But all you really need to know is that it's that thing that like keeps you awake at night and that you wouldn't ever forgive yourself for not doing. And then you need to just start doing it. And I, 
I really believe that. Like you just put the work out there and then you'll start to see if it's something that could create a business. You know, if you, a lot of people come to me and they want to make something and they have the skill, but what they really need to do is have gone out and made it and found people that would be willing to buy it. And, and then from there they need to start. So I think like that's like sometimes just starting. And I think there's so many articles and so many classes about starting a business and writing a business plan. And it's really easy to just get caught up in that. I think another thing then is just understanding your prioritization because I would say like once you have a product and it's, I guess this is assuming you are a product-based business, but like once you have something and you're starting to generate some traction, um, it's really easy to get caught up in the superficial things as opposed to like building your business. And I was absolutely guilty of this with my site too, even though I tell people the opposite, but you know, it's like really easy to just start focusing on a lot of people come to me and they want help building their social media following, but they don't have a brand voice yet, or they don't have like a really great product yet. (laughs) So, or they, you know, don't want to invest in photography. Well, you're not going to do well on Instagram if your pictures are terrible, unless you're like a celebrity or someone where everyone loves you so much, they don't care. You know, I think it's just understanding the right flow of what you want to do and then how to get there and what is really ultimately important to your business. Like a really small thing. I really love paper. I think it's really important. I think it's like the best way to show someone what your like business can be. So even though like I have this web business and I purposely built out my branding from the beginning, I worked with um, Megan Gonzalez of Maymay and Co. And she's amazing. But it was a huge investment because I wanted to prove that like American made could be incredibly stylish. And so my website had to be incredibly professional and stylish to go with that. And, and I, you know, got really nice business cards made, which is like a really scary investment as a small business owner because you have to buy a thousand of them and they're not cheap, but you know, it, it got, it gets me indoors sometimes. Like I knew that if I were talking to other people about amazing product, like if that's all I'm going to leave with them, like that, they're going to remember that. So, and it depends on, you know, what your industry is and what your product is, but it's just picking some of those things that really matter. Okay. Okay. I like that. That's good advice. I kind of want to talk about, you work for Target, but now you advocate for small businesses. And so I'm curious, how do you, or do you ever find yourself having to like reconcile that in your own life? Are you ever torn between the convenience of that, the big box store and that quest to support the local and small businesses that you loved? I mean, are you ever torn or do you kind of have it figured out? No, it's, you know, I think life is a compromise and it's like every day you just like do the best you can do. Um, you know, I think I, I think as a consumer, everyone should just do what they feel comfortable doing and what makes sense for their life. So I feel really comfortable buying target owned brand products, regardless of where they're made, because I used to source them. So I know exactly, I've been in those factories. I know what procedures and safety rules and like regulations target has, and I trust it. But at the same time, it's target and their product is maybe it's a little more disposable, you know, and that isn't what I want in my life. So there's a, there's like that give and take on like, if I really just like need something, maybe I get it from Target, but I probably wouldn't, but I, I do trust them. They're also local for me because it's a Minnesota company. That's true. But, that's true. Um, but you know, I think Amazon is really amazing and buy a lot of stuff from Amazon prime. And I don't quite know if I think 
in some ways there's some arguments that like ordering from companies like that is more sustainable because it's actually making less stops than when you go to a store and then you don't have to drive to it. But there's a lot of arguments that it's like way worse because they're shipping that stuff all over. I, I don't know. And I could spend years researching it or I could actually get something done. Right. So it's, you know, it's just a compromise. There's certain things that I will, I will never buy like clothing from forever 21 or a lot of other, you know, fast fashion companies. Like mm-hmm. I am really particular whenever I can be, but I mean, at the end of the day, this is actually something that's just really, I think, difficult. And it, it comes down to even, even budget. And there are certain things, you know, I would love everything in my life to be American made, but I, I can't afford to have custom American made speakers made for my house so I could play like Spotify. Right, right. Good point. Um, and, and is Spotify good or is Spotify bad? Because that conversation is going on now. It too. sure is. So, you know, I think it's just, you just try and focus and you try and pick what really matters to you. And Mm -hmm. I I like to say, like, you vote with your dollar, but you can't do it in every single, in every single way. We'll say that um, the way I do look at it is like, I try and always shop from companies, like when I'm buying from bigger brands or when I'm buying clothing, I will like only buy from companies that have really clear policies about where they make product and where it is. I'll only buy from retailers that really easily list country of origin and and stuff like that. And I only buy places from good service because if you're not nice to me, I will walk out because someone else can take my money. Absolutely. Oh, I couldn't agree more. As somebody who worked in retail, I definitely... It's just, it's terrible. It is. Yeah, no, I'm 100% with you on that one. And it's good to hear you talk about the compromise because I do think it's just a hard line to walk. And I feel like we can go a little bit... If I get too in my head about it, I'll feel bad about just about every purchase because, you know, there might be some um, gap in the knowledge, meaning like where it was made or where the fabric was sourced or whatever, you know, you can go too far sometimes. (laughs) Well, and you can't know everything. And I mean, there are sweatshops in America. Like I want, I mean, I I have to be clear when I say that American made does not mean it's perfect, but yeah, absolutely. Like you just, it's a compromise and you make it what you work and it, what you make, what you can work. Sure, and sure. I think the most important thing is what I have learned. Um, and I used to buy a lot all the time from everywhere is like to just buy less, you know, like just, just generally buy less. And then, you know, when I go to a restaurant, I tip more when I like all of those different things and you're still putting that money out there, but kind of putting it in there in a way that feels for me better. Yeah, that's good advice. I'm curious, as a small, I mean, you're a small business owner, you're an entrepreneur, and you help other small businesses. And it's kind of, you know, you're obviously, your personal values are in line with your business values, because they're kind of one in the same. So do you ever find yourself having trouble separating your work self from your, your personal self, if you will? I know you talked about social media a little bit in terms of like, you don't want to show too much of the personal versus the work stuff. So how do you, how do you kind of negotiate that? This is something I've been asking myself and trying to figure out for like every day for the last several months. I don't, I don't know. I think it, I mean, I shop for a living and I'm sitting here and telling you, like, I want you to shop less. Like my, I generated income from, you know, helping brands build their businesses and sell more and buying for small business for small retailers so ultimately, you know, it's this weird where like, ideally I want everyone to just rack up credit card debt and shop a lot because that's good for me. But I don't want that because it's not good for the world. Um, so 
it's something I'm like constantly thinking about. And it's kind of weird because you can't, um, it's kind of like I read something once, like the worst kind of addiction to quit is food because you can stop drinking, you can stop smoking, you can stop doing drugs. You can like remove yourself from situations where those are around. You have to eat. And it's kind of, you know, like I used to be addicted to shopping. I used to spend way too much money on just junk. And I am now in a world where all, I mean, you know, I am finding new products and I'm buying it for my store. I'm merchandising it in a store. I'm putting it online. Um, and it's, it's funny because I'm still sort of living my addiction. I've just had to teach myself that like you can admire it in the store and you don't have to bring it home. And I think it's really hard. I regularly wish I could just be like an accountant or I don't know, a coder or someone and just like come home and not think about work. But that has never been who I was or what I did. And so it's just a balance. I think one thing that really helps is that like remembering that there's just things out there that are more important. Like as much as I believe in what I'm doing, like actually getting out and volunteering is more important. Being present with my family and my friends is more important. Working out, like I'm not a good person if I'm not doing all those things and they can't really work well. So that's the best way to separate myself. But I don't know. How do you do it? Um, I don't. At this point, I feel like, um, you know, I've had a lot of conversations via this podcast. And uh, one of the episodes, they talked about a work-life blend. And I really liked that. So I'm, I've co-opted that as my own philosophy a little bit. Because there are times when I can just shut it off. And there are times when I'm I'm kind of doing a little bit of both. Like I might be, I might have to check that email before we head out on our hike on my phone, in the truck, like there, you know, that might have to happen. And so that's okay. And, you know, my husband's okay with it. Some, sometimes his work comes home. He has a nine to five, but sometimes he's checking his email and doing work on the weekends too. And I think we're all so just super connected thanks to lovely technology. You know, I do feel like there, there are times when it's just easier for me to shut it off. Like when I'm with my family, I feel like it's easier to shut it off. But sometimes when we just get in, we're like in the day-to-day grind, it's hard for me to turn it off and work. I work from home a lot. So shutting that office door can be tough too, you know, because my laptop can come with me to the couch. So there's always this like weird line that I think I probably cross often, but, uh, we seem to make it work. So I don't know. It's, it's, it's a tough one. Yeah. I, I give my, I give everyone in my life permission to call me out. So like, you know, I, I travel a lot with friends and with my husband and sometimes I'm just like going too far to get the right Instagram. And now they're like all allowed to say like, Rita, we came to the store just so you could take a picture. It's been 10 minutes, like you're done. You know, like, so sometimes it's just that. Um, and I really like the idea of a work-life blend. I remember like when I was like 22, I was working on this project at Target and I like took it home and canceled all my plans on a Friday night. I was so obsessed with it and like worked on it until like two in the morning. And then the next day I like felt really good and it was just like I had to get it done and I felt great. But I called my friends were kind of annoyed and that's just like not what 22 year olds do. And I called my dad and I was like, am I a workaholic? Like, is this a problem? And he was like, you know, it's just going to ebb and flow. Like, and if you have to watch for patterns and if you, if you cancel all of your plans with friends, like that's not a good thing. He's like, but if you always put your friends 
before getting your work done, that's not a good thing either at this point in your life. And, you know, and I, I think it's, that's true. Like he was just like, you're, it's gonna, you just have to kind of roll with it and be aware of when it's going too far. And granted, this is before I'm old. So this was before social media took over. So it wasn't as accessible, but you just have to watch for it. I did take a lot of it off of my phone. So like Twitter, I can only check on my computer and other things. And that has been very helpful. I highly recommend that to everyone. My brain feels so much calmer. Oh, interesting. Okay. That's a good advice. So do you have email on your phone? Yes. Um, email doesn't really stress me out that much. I think when I was a target, I'd get hundreds a day. Um, so I don't answer them all that quickly. Unfortunately, I wish it was better, but like, I can handle it. And I will say like when we travel, I'll just turn off notifications on email. So I don't like see the little number on my phone. You talked about, you know, going too far for the right Instagram photo. And I'm guilty of that too, I have to say. And my husband will totally, he has no patience for social media at all. So yeah, he's not, he's not into that. And so we, you know, if we're out shopping or out on a hike or something like that, he's just like, dude, are we hiking or are we taking 10, 12, 20 photos? What are we doing? (laughs) You have to choose. So it's, it's good. It's good. It's good to have somebody who kind of balances you out, I think a little bit. But, and I have to understand, like getting better at photography has been something I've always wanted to do. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, it drives my husband crazy, but I've gotten a lot better. And so I think he also like has to understand that, like, I don't know, it's like when I am patient with him, when he's like, he used to ultra, do ultra marathons and would go run for hours and hours. Like, it's that, like, he has to give me some of that too, because this is like a hobby of mine that I'm building on. Right. It's just unfortunate that I build on it in like these five or 10 minute increments. <laughs> I know. I know. It, it does take a while to get uh, better at it. I definitely have been working on that too. So I feel you on that one. Okay. So if you had one bit of advice for people out there listening, um, whether they want to start a creative career, or they're kind of already in the middle of it. What would that advice be? My gosh, I have so much of it. I don't know if I'm who you should be taking advice from, but it's, it's advice that I give myself, I should say, a lot. Okay. And the first is that, like, remember that there's so many people out there that are in your same position and are just like you and people want to help, which I think, I don't know, we all assume no one wants to help, but that's not true. When I started and I quit my job, I made a rule that I had to um, say yes as much as possible and do as many things as I could to hear no as much as possible. And what you'll find is, so basically, like, I used to always be like, I can't do that. I'm not qualified for this. No, no, no. And I just had to start kind of being like, sure, I'll try it. And I learned a lot of things that I didn't think I could do. Um, And I also just would always think, I should email that person, but they would never email me back. They would have no interest in this. So I made myself just start doing it. And it was insane, the, like, caliber of people that wrote me back and, like actually, you know, maybe didn't nothing came of it, but they didn't say no. And it really, I guess, just like motivated me. And it really helped me to understand that like there was, again, like the community out there, but also that like, if you really are willing to work at it, like the, there are no limits. And then the last thing that kind of goes with that is that we all and I'm completely guilty of this, get really hung up on the idea and getting it perfect. And like perfect is absolutely the enemy. Like you, you need to just do it because at the end of the day, there's so many people who will say, 
oh, I thought of that once, but I'm still working on it. Or, you know, oh, I could sew a shirt like her and sell it for the same price. But you can't because you didn't. At the end of the day, it's the people who do that we should be like completely celebrating and lauding and so proud of. And instead, we talk a lot about those idea people, but an idea is nothing if if you don't actually take action on it. Oh my gosh. I'm sitting here nodding. Such great advice on all accounts because that's one thing I noticed over the last couple of years. I had some career shifts um, over the last five years, definitely. And so there was a year where I was stuck in that, like, they're not going to want to talk to me. I'm not, I'm not emailing them. Who, who am I? Right. And I will say it's, it's pretty, pretty amazing what can happen if you do just put yourself out there. Yeah. And I, what I even realized was it helped me understand more about who I wanted to be in my business and what I wanted to do because I was actually putting myself out there and it, you know, just like it forces you to, I don't know, figure shit out. Exactly. I know you kind of have to work through it. That's, I always call it working from the middle because it feels like I don't really know what I'm doing. I hope people know that, (laughs) but, uh, but I do have ideas and I want to see them come to life. And so you kind of have to just put one foot in front of the other, you know, and see what happens. So it's, it's really good advice. Okay. So looking toward the future now, what is next for you and your company? What's coming down the line? You said you're launching or you're helping a company open a business this week, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm helping a new shop in Minneapolis open their brick and mortar. Um, and we, I've been working on this project for several months. So I helped with, you know, with the buying and the merchandising strategy. And there's a lot of products that we developed exclusively for the shop. So that has been this like really amazing project uh, that has, I've learned so much from. One thing I had realized was that I was helping small businesses, but all of my experience was having worked for a huge retailer. So I didn't always... I could like understand, but I hadn't experienced the difficulties of being a small business. So I like took several months off of consulting to work only on this project, which basically helped. Like now I really get it. Like now I've also spent hours on the phone with Shopify trying to get stuff figured out and um, tried to figure out, you know, UPS shipping and your versus FedEx or the post office or all of that. So um, now I've really been there. So I think, I am sitting on a lot of really amazing content for the American Edit that I just am working to get out. It's been a little sidetracked by this project. So just really building out some more great features and conversations. Um, I'm loving the just general talk about consumption and awareness that I feel like is kind of happening in this industry. And I, I want to probably play a little, talk about it more and just use people who care about where their product is made also likely care about like the general thoughts on consumption. So I really want to focus on that. And then hopefully, you know, I'll keep working with this project, but also continue to help other small businesses and makers as they build out their brands and, you know, look to build out their own stores or find new brands or um, just develop their strategies. Okay. So I have a couple of follow-up questions. (laughs) Hopefully I don't put you on the spot. So one question is, I'm curious, you know, you said you're helping open a brick and mortar and online shop for for this brand, right? So do you usually work mostly with people who are doing brick and mortar or do you find it's online more now? or, Or is there, you know, what's that percentage breakdown look like? 
Um, I've worked closely with two brick and mortars, um, mortar shops, uh, but primarily online. But I think that's a, I think that is a, the two brick and mortar shops I've worked with have been in Minneapolis. Um, Mm, and you know, so it's easy for me to be in there day in, day out and helping them get stuff set up. I, if you're asking the question, like in terms of retail, brick and mortar or online, I'll continue to say both. Um, depending on the experience. Again, it, it comes down to what we talked about. It's service. It's, it's how the product, what the store looks like, like what that experience is. And I think they both have a place. Okay. Okay. And then I'm going to ask you this like kind of off the cuff and I'm, I'm curious, what are some of like, can you list five of your favorite American made brands for us? Oh my gosh, it's just like naming my favorite children, but I don't have children yet, but it's what I imagine it to be like, like picking your favorite friends. Um, Okay, I'm going to have to do a couple for like apparel and accessories and then a couple for home. And what I'm going to do is like walk you through what I'm wearing. Um, Okay, cool. So I will say my jewelry is always American made because I really believe in sporting small makers for jewelry. And it's just like so close to you that I like it to be personal and smaller batch. My denim and my t-shirts or like any cotton type shirts will always be American made. Right now, my favorite denim brands are Rag and Bone or RTA, and then T-shirts Everlane like cannot be beat for the price. Um, and Kurt Elliott are really great as well. And I have a disgusting amount of Claire Vivier bags. It's, it's a little bit of a problem. Um, they all really fit different, you know, like needs. But I would say I am absolutely an advocate of her of her bags. When it comes to home, I really like Susan Connor New York textiles. She's she block prints like these beautiful linen and denim throws out of her studio in um, in Brooklyn. Um, I'm obsessed with ceramics. I think again, this is another one of like photography, like something I've always just wished I was better at. And I love Sweet One Studio, Lindsay Emery, um, or Fringe and Fettle, Joanna Holly, who is based in St. Paul, Minnesota. Um, and Heath Ceramics is just, like, amazing for, you know, like, everyday dinnerware. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> I appreciate you. Um, you know, I know I put you on the spot on that one, so I appreciate it. <laughs> I'm thinking of so many more that I forgot because, again, this is so so hard for me. I mean, if you ask me my favorite food, I will say pizza without thinking, but this is very difficult. Um, yeah, well, you come across a lot of brands in what you do, so I can assume, I, you know, I can imagine it would but be really tough. The A list on the American Edit is my list of what I consider to be the best of the best American made brands. Um, I'm always adding brands, but I am extraordinarily particular about what goes on there. It's only brands that I've personally purchased from for myself or for a gift or have like told my mom or like my best friend to buy from um, because unfortunately I just can't buy everything. So that is always where I direct people if they're looking for something. And I just started and it's very small because I'm building it out, moving that to Pinterest. So I can actually just share more like cool items that I come across that are American made, but I maybe don't know enough about the brand or the business to like make it a true A-list product. Or maybe that brand only makes one thing in America or whatever. So there, if you look at my Pinterest as well, you'll see tons of American made products. Okay, cool. I'll make sure to link up to that in the show notes. So I appreciate your time, Rita. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much. She's pretty incredible, right? So be sure to go say hi to Rita over on Twitter. You can find her at The American Edit. And tell her how much you appreciate her insight. I know I did. 
You can also find out more about Rita and her work over at theamericanedit.com. And if you're interested in my journaling course, don't forget to head over to jenniferesnyder.com slash courses and sign up for my monthly newsletter to get the inside scoop. As always, thank you for listening and we'll catch you next time.